0: Well, we're taking a bit of a break from our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians during this Christmas season uh, to look at the Gospel of John and what John has to say about Christmas. We have four Gospels or stories of Jesus' life in the Bible, and they give us complementary accounts of the life of Jesus. That each of the four writers had a different way of telling the same story, choosing to include some things Jesus said and maybe not include other things. That they had their own things they wanted to emphasize that they felt was important, and yet it forms a unified picture of who Jesus is. We notice a lot of these differences at Christmas time. That in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we find the traditional Christmas stories, the stories about his birth about the angels coming and speaking to Mary and to Joseph. We hear about the census and how they have to go to Bethlehem and how there is no room at the inn and the baby is born and laid in a manger. We read about the shepherds in their field and the angelic announcement. We read about the wise men following the star in those gospels. The gospel of Mark, though, has none of that. Mark begins his story with Jesus' public ministry as an adult. His emphasis was what Jesus did those last few years of his life. And John does something different altogether. John looks at the birth of Jesus from a different perspective. Matthew and Luke seemed to answer the question, what happened? What are the historic details around the birth of Jesus? What was going on at that time? How did it happen? John seems far more concerned with answering the question, what is happening? What's really going on at Christmas? Yes, there's shepherds. Yes, there's angels and all this. But what's what's really happening here? Who is this Jesus? And So that's what we see in the beginning of John's gospel is this idea of who is this baby that was born. And so we're going to look this morning in John chapter 1. So if you want to find the Gospel of John, you can find it on page 1053 in the Pew Bible. John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 today as we hear what he has to say about the birth of Jesus. So hear the word of the Lord from John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. has not overcome it. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us and that you do not leave us in darkness and silence, not knowing what has happened or who you are, but that you have spoken to us by your word. And so God, speak to us today through these words, O God. Use me in spite of my own sin, in spite of my own weakness, to proclaim your truth, and would you give us ears to hear and hearts and minds receptive to what you would have to say today, O God, so that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So John gives us some very simple sentences here. Unlike Paul, if, you know, we've been looking at Ephesians, where Paul essentially goes seven verses without giving us a period, just clause after clause after clause and going back and trying to follow everything. John is like the easy reader books that you give first graders. In him was life. Life is light. Very simple sentences. And yet in that simplicity, there's great meaning. And so today we're going to look at a few questions. We're going to look at where did Jesus come from? Where did Jesus come from? And what was he doing there before his birth? And how does that help us understand who Jesus really is? So John opens his gospel in the same way that the Bible opens. He says, in the beginning. That our Old Testament reading reminded us of how the Bible begins, saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But John goes back even farther, before creation even began, and he says, in the beginning Was What was there before creation? That's what John is concerned with. He's concerned with what, or rather, who was there before creation. It's really an odd way to start a book about the life of Jesus, unless Jesus was there before the creation of the world. And that's exactly what John is saying. He says, in the beginning was the Word. We're going to look at that choice of title, word, a little bit later. But it's very clear he's referring to Jesus here. So where did Jesus come from? He came from the very beginning. I guess you could say he came from heaven, but he, he came from even before heaven. Because it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the word was there before that. It makes me think of a really good question that my son asked me the other day. He asked... How old is Jesus? That's a really good question with a slightly more complicated answer. One way to say how old Jesus is and to answer that question is just to say, well, what year is it? That's well, 2018. Okay, well, he's about 2018 years old, give or take five or six years. That that's about when Jesus was born, 2,000 years ago, to Mary in a stable in Bethlehem all that time ago. So he's about that old. But that's his birthday. How old is Jesus? Well, Jesus, from this passage, it says, has always been around. He has no age. He is eternal. He has existed from the very, very beginning with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so John's gospel tells us that Jesus is eternal. He always has been, and in light of his resurrection, he always will be. That Jesus was not created That he did not come into existence at Christmas, he was there before then, that in the beginning was the Word. John continues, helping us to understand. He says this, and the Word was with God. You'll notice in verse 1, he has three kind of simple statements that follow up, and they all sound very, very similar just adding or subtracting one little word there. And yet each of them teach three very profound truths. And so the first was that Jesus is eternal, that in the beginning was the word. But here, and the word was with God, tells us something different. That Jesus is a unique person. That in a sense, Jesus is distinct from or different from God in some way. One commentator tries to get us to think about it in this way. He says that you can be by yourself. Many of us have been by ourselves before. Oftentimes in the bathroom, you are by yourself. But you are never with yourself. What were you doing? Oh, last night I was with myself and I this. No no one talks like that. No one says that. And so if the Word was with God, then there is some kind of distinction between God and the Word. This statement helps John to shut down arguments that God just likes to put on three different Halloween costumes or masks, that God sometimes likes to be the Father, and other times he dresses up as Jesus, and other times he decides, I want to be the Holy Spirit today. That is not what the Bible teaches the Bible teaches that there are three Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in some sense they are one. We see this really clearly at Jesus' baptism. It's the best place you can see it anywhere in the Bible that Jesus went down to the Jordan River and was baptized by John the Baptist. So Jesus is there in the water or by the water, whatever you prefer. And the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove and lands on Jesus. So you got Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit there. And then a voice booms from heaven saying, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And so in this very same moment, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the same place. All three persons acting at the same time. And so, in a sense, Jesus is somewhat distinct from God. He is uniquely his own person, that the Word was with God. But then John tries to make our brains explode, or at least forget everything we just heard, by following it up with this. And the Word was God. And then you're just like, okay, well, what, well now what, John? How can the Word both be with God and be God at the same time? Well, John wants us to see that Jesus is not some lesser deity. He's not some half-God or mini-God or JV God. That in the ancient Greek and Roman mythologies, you have all these family trees of gods. And there's a hierarchy of who's the most important and who just gets like the dumbest things to be in charge of. And the gods sometimes get together with humans and have half-gods like the story of Hercules. And John is trying to say that the Word is truly and very really the same God. And that's a wild thing for John to say that these opening statements in John's gospel are perhaps some of the most outrageous things a first-century Jewish person could ever say because the Jews prided themselves on believing that there is one God, only one. It's what really distinguished them practically from the other pagan nations around them who worship the storm God, the fertility God, and this God and that God, and idols for this and temples for that. The Jews held to one but there is only one God over all the earth. One of their most foundational verses in all the Bible is found in Deuteronomy 6.4. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, listen, Israel, the Lord, that is Yahweh, our God, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. He is one. And yet here in John 1, we have a Jewish man saying that a friend of his, who also happened to be a Jewish guy, Was with God before the very creation of the world. And though he's personally unique, he is very truly the same God that the Jews have always worshiped. That's wild. But that's the point. John is telling us that Jesus is not just a wise teacher. He is not just a really religious guy who tries to follow God really well. He is not just a miraculous healer gifted by God. This Jesus who was born at Christmas existed before that birth because he really is God. Okay, but what was he doing? Where's he been? What took you so long, man? Were you locked in your room in timeout? Were you busy playing video games? What were you doing, Jesus? Why why didn't you come sooner? What were you doing all of those years before you were born? John tells us in verse 3 that he was actually doing stuff. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That Jesus was very involved in creation That John continues to draw on Genesis 1 by expanding our knowledge of what happened at creation. That Genesis very clearly tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. But how does a triune, that is, tripersonal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, create the heavens and the earth? Jesus was involved. It says all things were created through him. That's what Colossians 1 said as well in our New Testament reading, that all things were created through him. Well, how is that so? How are things created through him? Well, that brings us back to the title John calls Jesus the Word. If you look at John's gospel, and let's say you didn't know what any of this was about, the name Jesus doesn't come up till verse 17. It's just this guy he's calling the Word or the Light or something like that, or the Son. It's like, who? Who Who are we talking about? He tells us it's Jesus. He calls him the Word. Now, there may be a few reasons why John is choosing that. By linking it to creation, though, he's giving us a hint. Because how did God create the heavens and the earth? Through his Word. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light and there was light. God didn't run down to the store and get some particles together and like, there's some good light. God had nothing to create with except His Word, and so He creates with His Word. He spoke the universe into existence, and so Jesus is being called the Word. John could have called Him the messenger, But it seems like he doesn't want us to have a wrong idea that Jesus is some errand boy, some assistant to the regional manager of God, that he really is God himself, that he is not like Hermes was to Zeus, that he was the errand boy who ran and carried messages. No, he is showing the connection between the speaker and what was spoken. And by this word, all things were created. Jesus didn't simply help out a few times. It was like, oh, dad, 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 can I help with this? The hippopotamus looks really cool. I want to make that. Like, no, Jesus did not just come and help out in a few things. We are told without him was not anything made that was made. For those of you who don't talk like Yoda, that means that everything was created through Jesus. Again, that's what Colossians 1 told us emphasizing that not simply the earthly realm, but all the heavenly powers, the angels, the heavens themselves, Jesus was involved in their creation. The sun, the moon, the stars, he did it. The land, the sea, the air, the mountains, he did it. The plants, the birds, the fish, the animals, people, he did it. Everything derives its existence from Jesus. That idea of existence is very important to verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5 are probably the simplest of these, and yet they are so full of meaning. One commentator writes how John has a way of putting things both simply and profoundly that you're left wondering, I think I know what you mean, but I don't think I know what you mean. That we, know, we think we've got it, but we feel like there's a lot more there. And so here in verses 4 and 5, we read about two concepts, life life. And light. Two fundamental things in the world life and light. Things that John brings up a lot in his gospel. Things we see in creation. Let there be light. And the breath of life went into the creatures. And here's what we read In him that is in the word was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. That in the very beginning, all potential for life was found in Jesus. The word was God and therefore he was the life giver that without Jesus, nothing else could exist. You can think of it this way, that we are contingent creatures. That we need someone or something else to give us life. After all, we were all born at some point, or at least that's what they tell me. That we were all born. I guess I was born at some point. And you might have been born as well at some point. That life came from somewhere. And if we trace that all the way back, well, you were born and you were born and you were born. You trace that all the way back. Life had to come from somewhere. And John is telling us that Jesus is that source of life. And he compares that life to light, like our lights. That light originates from somewhere. It emanates, it shines forth out of places, whether that light comes from the sun and the stars, whether it comes from fire like candles, or our lovely creations of light bulbs. Light comes from somewhere. And without those light sources, the world would be dark. The world would be cold. Similarly, John is saying that Jesus is the life source of the world. That just like light is only found in these light sources, so life is only found in one life source, and that's Jesus, the creator of all life. And when we lose that, when we see that Jesus is not the creator, if we think that's not where life came from, we're left with nothing but darkness, That trying to live without Jesus is like trying to live without light. We're going to find that the world is dark. It's cold. It's cruel and purposeless. Consider the ways that people try to think of the world without God today. That if life only came about by chance, then we are specks of dust in the grand scheme of things in a vast, mostly empty galaxy. That's about it. We're in a lifeless universe, but there's no reason to be kind to anyone unless it benefits us. Why should we be nice? Why should we do good? Unless it helps us, of course. We see that in the animal realm with the survival of the fittest. What hope do they have other than don't get eaten, right? That's how they live get our next food we have to eat or be eaten that's dark and cold and if that's where life came from then what what meaning can anyone's life have we can pretend it has meaning and think it's valuable it's not it's really not only if we see that our life originated from somewhere rather someone will we recognize the warming And revealing light of Jesus, that there is a purpose behind why we exist. John tells us that's always going to be there that that light shines in the darkness and it brings the hope of life, it brings purpose to people lost in darkness. And even if we try and go out there and ignore the light, or dispute that the light exists, or even say the light is dead, that God is dead. The light overcomes the darkness. After all, darkness had its, best, had its best shot on the cross. And even that couldn't stop the light. That life and light shone forth on the third day. So John's getting us to think, who is this Jesus? He is the light of the world. He is the source of all life, the creator of everything, the one true God who's existed For all eternity. And it's a very good thing that John tells us this because John's gospel is followed up by repeated shocking examples of things that Jesus says that you listen to them and go, Man, you better be God, because if not, you've got some problems saying those things. Things like, Whoever believes in the Son has life and life eternal or I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me or before abraham our ancestor was i am or i am the resurrection and the life or i and the father are one or in john 8:12 what fits with our passage today i am the light of the world Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Good teachers can't say that. I mean, seriously, imagine someone got up at one of those Apple news conferences or a TED Talk and said, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will have light. Like, I think we've gone a bit far with these. Uh, no one's buying that. Religious teachers can't say this stuff and maintain their sanity and credibility. But Jesus could make these claims because he didn't just show up 2,000 years ago to be a good example for us to follow and say, here's the best way to live your human life. Jesus existed for all eternity before not only his birth, but before creation because he is truly the son of God. And so we can follow him because we know he is the source of all life. He is our only hope of life. And though we may be lost in darkness, we know that he is the word who has come to accomplish what God has purposed and promised to do. And one of God's promises is to shine light into the darkness and to bring people back from darkness and into the light. And so we follow Jesus not by saying, I'm going to do what he did, but I need what he did. That's what Colossians told us, that he was reconciling all things to himself by the blood of the cross. That Jesus was born to die for us, born to reconcile us, born to bring us out of darkness and into his life. So may we find our lives, our eternal and abundant life in him and so walk the rest of our days in the light of his truth, following him as the light of the world. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, may we see that Jesus is indeed the life and light that we need. Lord, shine light into the darkness of our lives, to the darkness of our minds and our hearts, to the darkness of our community, to the darkness that may even be in our church. Lord, shine your light, O God, of truth and reveal our great need of the Savior and so breathe new life into us by the Spirit through the life giver, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. Help us to see Jesus as not just the baby, as not just the man who taught and did great things, but as the very God of very God. Help us, O God, to worship our Savior Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.